Thank you, Sharon. Welcome to First Church, those here and listening on the radio on this warm fall morning. Who would have thought we'd have the extra fans out this late in the year? We have a lot going on in our church family. Uh, Please take a look at the announcements in the bulletin. I'd like to highlight a few of those items. The red rose on on the altar is in honor of Sandy and Roger Holster's 50th wedding anniversary. If you see them, uh, congratulate them and wish them well. Yeah. The white rose is for Miss Lila Phillips, who will be baptized here today. So welcome to to those guys and their family who's here to celebrate that occasion with them. Congratulations to Audrey Fisher and Michael Wood, who were married here at First Church yesterday. The blue jug is on the steps to support flood victims. Donations will assist the Salvation Army, who is already on the ground providing aid. The consistory has called for a congregational meeting today immediately following the morning service for the purpose of approving the repair and sealing the east wall of the church and discussing upcoming large business uh, building projects. The barrel for one warm coat drive is in the Heritage Room until Friday, October 13th, if you uh, donate clean used new coats. Pastor Joel has an update for the nursery. Thank you. Just want to take a moment and just remind you all about our nursery ministry here at, at First Church during this service. It really is a blessing to, to many people. It's a blessing to those children as we, as we take care of them and play with them and, and show God's love to them um, and pray for them even. Uh, it's, a, it's a blessing for them and it's also a blessing for young families, uh, families with young children so that they can uh, be a part of the worship service without having to be focused on their children and they can set aside that time to, to focus on God and worship him through that if that's what they choose, if they choose to use that ministry. Um, I'm up here this morning. Uh, there's several Sundays between now and the end of the year that we're still looking for nursery workers. If you are able and willing, uh, there's a sign-up sheet on the front pew here, um, just in front of where I was sitting, and I encourage you to take a moment after the service to, to look at the calendar and see if there's a day there that you could volunteer to be a part of the nursery. Um, it really is an important thing, and it's a blessing to those families that take advantage of it. And, and one way that we can serve and give back to the church and the community um, is by taking time to, to take care of those children um, that are so important, uh, such a, an important part of this church. So if you're able to, I encourage you to take a moment, uh, take a look at that calendar, and see if there's a Sunday there that you can sign up um, between now and the end of the year. Thanks. And now would you please rise with me as we prepare for worship this morning with a reading from Isaiah 55. For my thoughts are not your thoughts, neither are your ways my ways, declares the Lord. As the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways, and my thoughts than your thoughts. And now let us sing, Blessed Be Your Name.
seated. This time I'd like to invite forward the family of Lila Ray Phillips as we welcome her for baptism this morning. Hi. <laughs> well, this is such an exciting time. Uh, this is actually my third Sunday in a row. I was gone for two Sundays in Germany, but this is my third Sunday in a row getting the opportunity to, to baptize a little one. And it's just such a blessing to do that. And had a wedding yesterday and a baptism today, so it's just a very exciting weekend and exciting to, to be a part of this. And it's always a blessing to, to be welcomed and to be a part of these special moments in a family's life. I invite you to hear these words of Jesus, an invitation and promise offered to us all. All authority in heaven on earth has been given to me. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you. And surely I am with you always to the very end of this age. It's in obedience to this command, the church baptizes believers and their children. On the day of Pentecost, during his first sermon, Peter said, Repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ, for the forgiveness of sins. And you'll receive the gift of the Holy Spirit, the promises for you and your children, and all for all who are far off, for all whom the Lord God will call. So Brad and Casey, I ask you, having heard these God's gracious promises to us in Christ, do you desire that Lila be baptized? We do. Praise God. Now obviously Lila is a little too young to make a confession of faith herself. Uh, so, so in her stead, as her parents, uh, we ask you to, to make this uh, confession of faith, answer these questions. And that way, we'll, that'll be a witness for us as a church of the faith that you're, you're deciding to raise her in this day. Do you truly and earnestly repent of your sins and accept Jesus Christ as your Savior and Lord? Do. do you believe in God the Father Almighty, maker of heaven and earth, and in Jesus Christ, his only Son, our Lord, and in the Holy Spirit, the Lord, the giver of life? Do, do you intend to be Christ's faithful disciple, teaching, trusting his promises, Obeying his word, honoring his church, and showing his love as long as you live. We do, with and will you devote yourself to the church's teaching and fellowship, to the breaking of bread and the prayers? We will, with God's help. Amen. Amen. And church, let's recite together the Apostles' Creed. It's printed in your bulletin, a, an ancient statement of faith that we all share together. I believe in God, the Father Almighty, creator of heaven and earth. I believe in Jesus Christ, his only Son, our Lord who was conceived by the Holy Spirit, born of the Virgin Mary, suffered under Pontius Pilate, was crucified, died, and was buried. He descended into hell. On the third day he rose again, and he ascended into heaven, is seated at the right hand of the Father, and will come again to judge the living and the dead. I believe in the Holy Spirit, the Holy Universal Christian Church, the communion of saints, the forgiveness of sins, the resurrection of the body, and the life everlasting. Amen. Let's pray together. We thank you, O God, for this gift of life. We thank you for this family and for this child being baptized today. You, Lord, are the author of life and the giver of every good and perfect gift. Through the death and resurrection of your Son, Jesus Christ, you've made it possible for us to be accepted into your family. I pray that you would bless and sustain this child. Draw her to yourself, just as Jesus welcomed the children during his ministry. May she grow to love you with all of her heart, soul, mind, and strength. We also pray for her parents, that you would equip them to fulfill the promise they make today. Bless and sustain them as they teach their children to know and love you. All this we pray in the name of your beloved Son, Jesus Christ. Amen. So Brad and Casey, having heard, having, since you presented Lila for baptism, we ask you the following question before God and his people. Do you promise to instruct Lila by word and example with the help of the Christian community and the truth of God's word and in the way of salvation through Jesus Christ? Do you promise to pray for her and teach her to pray? And do you promise to nurture her within the body of believers as citizens of Christ's kingdom? Amen. And church, uh, as, as a congregation, we're here to, to witness this baptism, but also here to offer our loving support and prayers as well. As we receive Lila into Christ's church, I charge you to nurture and love her, to assist them to be Christ's faithful disciples. With joy and thanksgiving, we now welcome you into Christ's church. We are all one in Christ. We promise to love, encourage, and support you, and to help you know and follow Christ. Amen. Thank you. Now, this is the tricky part. Let's see if she's willing to come to me.
you're a lot lighter than Josephine. <laughs> Lila, I baptize you in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. May the Lord bless you and keep you. May the Lord turn his face towards you and be gracious to you. May the Lord turn his face towards you and give you peace. Let's pray. Gracious God and Heavenly Father, we thank you for the gift of your Son, Jesus Christ. Thank you for the free gift of salvation that is made available through his death and resurrection. Thank you for the symbol of baptism, which reminds us that you wash away our sins and give us new life as we put our trust in you. We pray for Lila. We pray that you would bless and strengthen her daily with the gift of your Holy Spirit and fold to her the riches of your love and deepen her faith. Keep her from the power of evil evil, and enable her to live a holy and blameless life until your kingdom comes. May she grow to know, love, and serve you with all of her heart, soul, mind, and strength. And look for, with kindness on Brad and Casey. Let them always rejoice in the gift you have given them. Grant them the presence of your Holy Spirit that they may bring up Lila to know you, love you, and serve you and her neighbor. Through Jesus Christ our Lord. Amen. Amen. As they return to their seats, I invite you to take a moment and greet your neighbor and greet them if you happen to be near them. And uh, as they're doing that, I invite the children. Good morning. Good morning. How are you guys today? Good. Good. So, how many of you have ever gone on a journey? Do you know what a journey is? Okay. How many of you have ever gone on a journey, but you really didn't know where you were going? Have you ever done like a surprise kind of thing where mom and dad put you in the car and they don't tell you where you're going? How do how do you think that would would that be scary? Would that be exciting? Exciting? Yeah, maybe kind of scary. Yeah, yeah. Well, in our scripture today, God said to Abram, "Leave your country." your people and your father's household, and go to the land I will show you. Okay? So he's saying, leave everything, and you're going to follow me. Now, what if I put this blindfold on, are you Kayla or Lena? Are you sure you're Kayla? You're not trying to pull one on me? Okay. So, Kayla, what if I put this blindfold on you and I told you to walk all the way to the back of the church and get me a Bible and come back? You think that would be easy? Well, yeah, you got a pretty straight shot to the back here with the aisle, don't you? Okay. But what if I tell you you have to weave back and forth in between the pews? Would that make it a little bit more challenging? Yeah. Yeah. It could be a little bit scary. Okay, and that's kind of how Abram is feeling today. This is a little bit scary. He is just really not sure about what God is asking him to do. But he knows that if this is something that God wants him to do, he has to have faith and he has to trust God that it's all going to work out. Okay, so sometimes when we have new things to try, like maybe riding our bike for the first time without training wheels, that's a little scary because what if you fall down and get a boo-boo? Or what if it's the first time you're going into first grade? Hey, I know how to ride my bike all by myself. Yes. At Gigi's house. Oh, good. And what if it's your first day you get to go to Sunday school? Is that kind of exciting? Yeah, that's kind of exciting. And maybe you got to move into a new Sunday school classroom. Those are all things that you're just really not sure what it's going to be like. Did you get new shoes? Cool. So, we have to put our faith and our trust in God when we're trying new things to know that he is there with us and he is going to take care of us. He's never going to leave us. Okay? So... As we listen, you're right, because God loves us, doesn't he? Good job. So as we go out and we try new things, I want you to remember that God is always with us no matter where we go and whenever we try new things. Mm -hmm. So let's bow our heads. Dear Heavenly Father, we are so grateful that you are with us wherever we go. Please know that we depend on you. 
And we love that you are with us wherever we go. This week, we're going to face lots of new things, but we know we can do it because you will be with us. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. All right, guys, have a great week. As the children are returning to their seats, I encourage you to, to pray with me. Father, thank you for this day. Thank you for the opportunity to be here and to worship you together this morning. Uh, Lord, we, we give you honor and praise uh, for the successful mission trip of the Germany mission trip team. Uh, thank you for the safety uh, there and back, as well as while we were on the work site. Uh, Lord, we, we thank you for the many memories that were formed, the work that was done, and also all that we learned and experienced um, about the 3C project and the people of Germany while we were there. I pray that, that as we uh, are home now and have an opportunity, I pray that we would have uh, the ability to share and, and, and share that vision with others. Um, and, and I pray that together as a church, we would continue to move forward, um, Lord, not just you know, serving here in New Knoxville, which is a good thing, but also looking beyond our own community and how we can serve and impact the world for your kingdom in the future. Uh, thank you, Lord, that, that you are the one who calls us to do that. You are the one who equips us to do that and provides for those missions. And I pray that you would continue to, to just place that call on our hearts um, for, for your kingdom to be spread throughout this world. I pray, Lord, for, for our church and our community and the, the members, Lord, who are, who are in need. Um, there's many health concerns out there, as well as other things, Lord, that are on people's minds. I pray that each one of us would be able to come and, and lay those burdens at your feet and find, Lord, the, the, the rest that comes from trusting in you. I pray that you would help us, each one, to do that in whatever circumstances we face. I pray that your will would be done in each of those situations and that through, through all of that, Lord, um, that, that you would be glorified and receive the honor that you deserve. We pray all these things in the name of Christ who taught us to pray, saying, Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread. Forgive us our debts, as we forgive our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, and the power, and the glory forever. Amen. This time I invite those who are helping with the offering to come forward. Um, and it's my, my pleasure to welcome back the choir uh, for the start of the fall season. Um, they'll be blessing us with a song during the offering.
please remain standing for the scripture this morning. The reading is from Genesis 12, verses 1 through 4. The Lord had said to Abram, Go from your country, your people, and your father's household to the land I will show you. I will make you into a great nation, and I will bless you. I will make your name great, and you will be a blessing. I will bless those who bless you, and whoever curses you, I will curse, and all peoples on earth will be blessed through you. So Abram went, as the Lord had told him, and Lot went with him. Abram was 75 years old when he set out for Haran. Remain standing and sing uh, Trust and Obey, verses 1 through 3, hymn number 349. seated. Father, I thank you for this day. Thank you for the opportunity to to be back here with the church once again and pray that you would bless this time we have this morning as we open your word together. And I pray that you would give me words to speak and open up all of our hearts to what you have to say to us this morning. In Christ we pray. Amen. Before we get started, I just want to make one note about the Germany mission trip. Once again, thank you for all of your support not only financially, but especially through your prayers. Um, I know I've, we were very blessed to, to have gotten to go there, and we know it wasn't po- wouldn't be possible without the, the prayerful support of this church. Uh, not everyone could be here today, uh, so next week we're going to take a, few, a moment during the service, and kind of like we have a mission moment when other missionaries come, we're going to take a, a moment during next week's service in order to share a little bit about our experience and, and what, we, what we saw and what we did while we were there. So if you're interested in hearing more about the trip, uh, you know, tune in next week. Uh, you'll get to hear a little bit about it. But probably the most important thing to do is, is ask one of us. Uh, the, there's no way we could uh, stand up here in, in five minutes and explain all that we did and all that we experienced while we were there. Um, and really the best way to, to learn about something is talking to someone face-to-face about it. So I'd encourage you to find one of the nine of us, uh, ask questions, ask how things go, and and I'm sure you'll get an earful back in response. So I encourage you to, to take time uh, this day, this week, over the next couple of weeks to, to, to speak with us about it. It was definitely an eye-opening experience and a blessing to have been able to be a part of that. Um, so once again, I'm back with you this morning, uh, and, and we wrapped up our series on James before I left. And so we're beginning a, a newer series uh, this fall, and we're going to be looking at the life of Abraham and, and several key events in his life. We're not going to be going verse by verse through his entire life there. There's going to be parts that we, we kind of skim over. Uh, and, and of course, if you're able to, I'd encourage you to, to read those on your own to kind of fill in those gaps. But we're going to focus in on five main events in Abram's life and, and what they can teach us about our trust and our faith in the Lord. Uh, the overarching theme, I would say, of Abraham's life is a faith that works, a faith of trust in God and of active obedience, which is really a great follow-up to what we learned in James, if you think about it. Uh, we, saw, we saw a lot of teaching about what it looks like to have a faith in action and a faith that is alive, and we see a model of that for us in the life of Abram. 
And so before we jump into this passage from Genesis chapter 12, I just want to kind of set the stage for you for a few moments about, uh, about where we're jumping in into the, the story of Scripture. Uh, Genesis chapter 12, uh, verses 1 through 4 is our passage today. Uh, Genesis 1 through 11 uh, really, really kind of sets uh, the scene for us. And, and in those 11 chapters that open our Scripture, we see the story of a good creation Creation that was made perfect and good by God, but then was corrupted by sin. And it really, that the story of those first 11 chapters culminates in chapter 11 with the Tower of Babel. It's a story of people trying to make a name for themselves apart from the Lord. Trying to make themselves great apart from God's will and what He desires for them. And so really those first 11 chapters of the, of the Bible are this, this downward spiral of, of, of God's creation being corrupted by sin and the impact that that has in the world. And it, and, it, and it culminates, like I said, in the Tower of Babel where the nations are scattered and the people are just sent all over the world and there's this confusion and almost like a lack of purpose. The question is, all right, if that, at that point, what's going to happen? How can, how can these people, how can this creation be saved and be redeemed according to God's plan, right? It seems almost like a little bit of hopelessness at the end of chapter 11. But then chapter 12 opens up with, with God beginning His redemptive plan by calling one man and, and his family to trust Him. And so 1 through 11 are almost like this global perspective. You get the creation and you get the corruption of that creation by sin and the, the effects that that has on all people. And chapter 12 just zooms in on one person. God initiating that, that call in Abram's life as the beginning of that new story and the beginning of God's redemptive purposes in the world. As I said, it's a change from that global perspective to just one man and his family, but it's through that one man that the entire world will be blessed. In chapter 11 and prior, we see the total rejection of God. Total rejection of God and His plan and His purposes for humanity. But now we begin in the life of Abraham to see see a change to faithful obedience. And it begins with that one man taking that one step in that direction. We go from, from God looking down on His creation. That's how God is described in chapter 11. He, he is looking down and seeing the world as it is. And the change that takes place, and this is an important one, is that God is no longer looking down at creation and seeing it, but God is actively speaking. God is actively involved in creation. And we see that through the call of Abraham. He speaks personally to, to humanity. And we see that trend continuing, obviously, throughout Scripture. And some amazing things that, that we should note about this passage that are really going to kind of set the stage for the rest of the series. But, but if you think about it, they set the stage for Scripture as a whole. And they're themes that we see woven throughout the story of Israel as well as the life of Jesus in the early church. First of all, we see, as I just mentioned, that God speaks. He does not abandon his creation after we made a mess of it in Genesis 1 through 11. Right? God had every right to just wipe his hands clean and say, all right, I'm done with you guys. I gave you guys chance after chance after chance, and nothing's happening. One of my, I probably shouldn't say favorite, but I think one of the most apt descriptions of, of humanity um, in those early days was from Genesis chapter 6, and this is before the flood. It said God looked down and, and he saw that humanity's heart was only evil all the time. It's a pretty strong statement. Right? Sin had so corrupted the world, and sin continues to corrupt the world, that, that our actions are evil towards one each other when God intended for us to love each other instead. But He didn't abandon us. Instead, he, he enters into that story. He becomes a personal God who speaks directly to Abraham. And He initiates the events that will eventually lead to our redemption. See, the story of the Bible is a story of God making Himself known to His creation. Revealing Himself so that, so that people can be received back into a relationship with Him just as they were meant to in the first place. And that's particularly and fully seen through the person of Jesus Christ. He is God ultimately revealed to us. God in the flesh living among us. Jesus says, if want, now that you've seen me, you've seen the Father. That's God revealing himself to his creation through the person of Jesus Christ. But not only, not only through Jesus and his life and his death and his resurrection, but God continues to speak to us today through the Bible. 
I've had many conversations with people that talk about how, how difficult it is to understand what God is calling them to do. How difficult it is to hear God speak in their lives. And I can sympathize with them to that extent. But the one thing I, I always try to bring back is that, that it's easy to hear God speak because He's spoken to us through His Word. Right? This is God speaking and revealing Himself to us. And if we want to hear God speak, we need to be reading our, our Bibles. If we want to hear God speaking to us today, we need to be in His Word and the, the, the trick, and we'll, we'll kind of cover this here a little bit later, but the trick is, is taking God's Word and then applying it to our own situation and our own lives. Taking what we learn about God, what we learn about Jesus, what we learn about the Holy Spirit, and, and applying it to our own lives. That's, that's where the trick comes in, but we'll, we'll, we'll talk about that in a little bit. But God continues to speak loud and clear to us through His Word. We just have a hard time listening, don't we? We don't, we don't take the time to listen. We don't take the time to really be in his word in order to hear God speak. So the first thing to notice is that God speaks. God initiates that conversation with Abram and as well as with us through his word. The second thing to notice is that God is the main character in this passage and every passage in the Bible. Think about it. You know, we talk about the story of Abram and all in his faithful obedience and all that he does throughout his life. But if you, if you look at these, this opening passage, it's pretty obvious to see that Abraham's, or excuse me, Abram, He'll change to Abraham and, and another story later on. But Abram, for the time being, um, is pretty passive. He's almost like this innocent bystander on the sidelines. The Lord said to Abram, right? Abram didn't call out to the Lord. The Lord said to Abram, go from your country, your people, and your father's household, and I will, to the land, I will show you. And then look at that blessing in verses 2 through 3. Uh, it's, it's not Abram doing anything, it's, but it's God. I will bless you. I will make your name great. I, and, and then you will be a blessing. That's a passive tense there. God continues, I will bless those who bless you, and whoever curses you, I will curse. And all the peoples on earth will be blessed through you. See, God is the one that's doing all the action in that passage. He's the main character. Abraham's respo- Abraham, all he did was respond with obedience to what God has done in his life. And we see that throughout Scripture. It's God who's the one who initiates those relationships. It's God who calls people. It's God who makes salvation possible through His Son, Jesus Christ. God is always the main character. We are, are, are along for the ride, in a sense. Another thing to notice is that, that the call of Abraham reverses the effects of sin that we see in those opening chapters of our Bible. God says that He will bless Abram and his family. God's Whereas God's curse fell upon creation as a consequence of sin. Genesis 3, we see that God, God lays a curse on, on humanity and, and creation as a result of their choice to reject His authority. But here we see the beginnings of the reversal of that curse. Instead of curses, God wants to bestow blessing. Adam and Eve were kicked out of the garden. The nations were scattered at, ba- at Babel, but God promises to give Abraham land. People were lost, they were scattered, but now he's beginning to bring them home again. And it says that all people will be blessed through Abram and his, his seed. Whereas all people were under a curse because of Adam. So through one man, sin entered the world, but it's through, through Abraham's family and particularly his one descendant, Jesus Christ, that all peoples on earth will be blessed. And so this, Genesis chapter 12 Verse 1 is the beginning of God's redemptive plan, and it's the beginning of Him reversing the effects of sin that we've seen throughout the first 11 chapters of the Bible. See, the call of Abraham is the beginning of that new story. The story of God reaching out to a broken, rebellious creation. The story of God taking the initiative and speaking, excuse me, and promising to bless all people through one family. It's the story of God reversing the effects of sin and restoring creation to its original goodness. And he invites Abram to be a part of that. Just take a moment to think about that. God, God could have just snapped his fingers and changed it all, right? He's God. He can do whatever he wants. But instead, he invited Abram to be a part of that story. He invited Abram to, so that God could work in and through him and his creation in order to restore humanity. And he invites each one of us through Jesus Christ to participate in that story as well. God in Genesis 12, verse 1, He invites Abraham to go to the land I will show you. And Jesus in the Gospels says, Come, follow me. 
It's that same call that Abram, that God gave to Abram that Jesus extends to each one of us just in a more personal way. God Himself in the flesh came and said, come follow me. See, the problem with Abram is that throughout his life he continued to wander. Right? He, he continued to make mistakes. He wasn't perfect. Before we even get out of the end of chap- Genesis chapter 12, we see him end up, he's in Egypt, and, and he begins to lie to Pharaoh uh, in order to protect himself instead of trusting that God would provide and protect him as he promised. So Abraham continues to wander and continues to mess up, and so, so God needed to send someone that was perfect in order to, to receive that perfect example of, of who to follow and what faithful obedience truly looks like, and that's Jesus and so Jesus invites us to then follow him. Mark 8:34 says uh, Jesus says then he called uh, excuse me Mark 8 verse 34 then he called to the crowd to him along with the, his disciples and said whoever wants to be my disciple must deny themselves take up their cross and follow me. That's a call to all of us. If we want to be Jesus disciple we need to deny ourselves take up our cross and follow him just like Abram was called to follow God to that promised land. And so as we talk about Abram's call, you know, we don't want to look at this passage and, and take the application of, okay, I need to leave my family behind to move across the country. That's not the application that you should receive from this passage. Um, instead, we need to look at how, what is God calling me to do? What is the calling that God has placed on my life and how can I be faithful and obedient to him in response to that? The call for Abram was to get up, to, to leave his, his father's house, leave his land, leave his family, and go where God is leading him to go. But that's not the universal call that he's placed on everyone. God, I believe, has put us in a particular place at a particular time for a reason. So the question is, how do we live out our calling in our own particular context? How do I be faithful to God where he has already placed me? I believe there's a... There's a universal call there's a call that he has given each one of us that no matter when you've lived or no matter where you live no matter who you are it's the same call for all of us and it has to do with following jesus first we need to repent from our sin in mark chapter 1 verse 15 the very first words that jesus speaks in mark's gospel jesus says the time has come the kingdom of god is near repent and believe the good news the call of Jesus on each one of our lives is to turn away from our sin and turn towards Him. And as I already mentioned, we need to turn from our sin, but we, then we need to follow Jesus. I've already read Mark chapter 8, verse 34, to, to take up our cross and to follow Him. And that call is so that we will represent Jesus in the world. 1 Peter chapter 2, verses 9-10. through 10. 1 Peter chapter 2, verses 9-10 through 10 says, But you are a chosen people, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, God's special possession that you may declare the praises of him who called you out of darkness and into his marvelous light. Once you were not a people, but now you are the people of God. Once you have not received mercy, but now you have received mercy. In other words, the call to follow Jesus is for all people, not just for a select few special people like pastors and missionaries. The call is for all of us to represent God in the world. That's what it means to be a royal priesthood and a holy nation. We're supposed to be the light of the world and the salt of the earth so that people, when people see us, they see Jesus' love and His goodness represented in and through us. And that's done by a life defined by loving God and loving others. And that comes from the great commandment from Matthew chapter 22, verses 37-40. through 40. Religious leaders tried to test Jesus and say, which one of these commandments, you know, they had, uh, I think it was about 613 commandments that they had, they had derived from Scripture. And they were trying to trap Jesus and get him to pick one that was the greatest of them all. And Jesus' response was kind of twofold. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. This is the first and the greatest commandment. And the second is like it. Love your neighbor as yourself. All the law and all the prophets hang on those two commandments. In other words, all of Scripture is fulfilled if you focus on loving God and loving your neighbor. And if you love God and love your neighbor, you're going to represent Jesus well in the world. Do you see how, you see how that fits together? And so the, not, not all of us are called to leave everything behind like Abram, but each one of us is called to repent, to follow Jesus and represent Him in this world through a life defined by loving God and loving others. How you do that in your specific context 
that's where the rubber really hits the road, right? That's where you have, that's where, where you have to, to, to be prayerful and look to the Lord and say, alright God, how do I love you and love my neighbor where you've placed me? How do I be a faithful representative of Jesus at my job, in my family, in my community, in my church? And that's where things may, may look different. I, uh, that calling in my life may be a little bit different than it is even in Allie's life. You know, because we have different callings in terms of I'm a pastor, she's a teacher. And there's, there's a, a, no, a number of different variations of that represented in here in this room and those listening on the radio. How you take that call and apply it to your own life is what makes the difference. I spent some time with Pastor Michael while I was in Germany. He's the pastor that's, that's heading up the church uh, that, that um, the 3C project is associated with. And I looked at all that he was doing and all that was being done through that ministry there. And I had to take a moment to think like, wow, what am I doing compared to this guy? You know, like he was, and there's many stories, times that I don't even have to, to share with you today. But, but one thing in particular, there's a refugee camp located right there in Kusel. And one of the things that the, the, the church is doing is reaching out to these refugees in their community. And Michael was having one-on-one Bible studies with these people. Um, with a translator, of course, because he's not speaking the language that, that they're speaking with. And he was devoting time specifically to do that. And that's amazing. But that's how, where God has placed him and the calling in his church. I can't hold a refugee Bible study in New Knoxville because there's not a refugee camp located in our town. If I try to compare myself apples to apples, that's just not going to work. I need to see how God is, where has God, has God placed me and where has God placed you and, and figure out how to love God and love others in the midst of that context. Does that make sense? But we're all called to do that. We're all called to love God and love others. And so what does this call mean for us? What can we learn about Abraham's response to the call um, that can help us understand our own calling? The first is that we need to call, the call is to trust God completely. Abraham was asked to leave behind his land, his people, and his family. And those things in the ancient world were so important. They were vital to someone's purpose and identity. To leave behind those things would have been to left behind their entire life. And so what God was calling them to do was step out in faith and trust Him completely. And you see that through the Gospels as well. Peter, Andrew, James, and John left behind their livelihood as fishermen. Paul left behind his social status. We see the example of the rich young ruler who was unwilling to leave his material wealth behind in order to follow Jesus. See, over and over again, the call of God is for us to leave behind our security and our comfort in order to follow Him. That doesn't mean, you, like I said, that looks different for everybody. You may not be called to empty your life savings account and give it to the church or something like that. I'm not saying that's what everybody's called to do. But what God is asking you to do may require you to be willing to give something up. So the question is, what are you holding on to that you're unwilling to give to God? What is God asking you to trust Him with that you're not necessarily willing to let go of? God may be asking you to do that. In order to love Him and love others completely, that may, look, that may mean that some changes need to take place. Just like it did for Abram. And so where do you find meaning, purpose, and identity? Where do you find your where is it somewhere apart from Jesus? See, God isn't interested in us hedging our bets. He's not interested in us uh, uh, only going part way and keeping a foot on each side of the fence. God wants us to trust Him completely. And again, that looks different for everybody. What it means for me and my family may look different than yours, and that's okay. But it means what God is, how is God calling us to love our neighbors and love Him? And what does that mean for us in our own particular context? You see, many of us want to be blessed by God. I'd imagine if I took a survey, every hand would go up in this room. Do you want to be blessed by God? Of course. You know, we all do. And many of us are even willing to bless others with what we ourselves have received from God. But not all of us are willing to let go of the control that we have over our lives and follow God into the unknown. See, that's what Abram was willing to do. He stepped out in faith and trusted God with his life. Are you willing to do the same? So we're called to faithful obedience. We're also called 
uh, to be a blessing to others. God grants His favor to us so that we in turn can bless others with what we ourselves have received. See, we're not blessed for our own sake. It's a very self-centered view. God, God doesn't bless us just because we are who we are and He wants us to be happy. He, he blesses us so that in and through that blessing we can then love God and love others with all of our heart, soul, mind, and strength. You need to remember that we're not the center of the story. God is. And God works in and through us to bless others. When I was growing up, I loved reading Kelvin and Hobbes. Are you guys familiar with the Kelvin and Hobbes comic strip? Uh, I have all the collections and everything. And so I was preparing the sermon. One of the, the, the comic strips came to mind and I had to hunt it down. Um, if you know anything about Kelvin, he's a little bit of a self-centered boy. And he has this, this imaginary friend, this pet tiger that, that he has these conversations with. And the comic is all about their adventures. And so one day they're sitting under a tree and Kelvin says, Just think, Earth was a cloud of dust 4.5 billion years ago. Three billion years ago, the first bacteria appeared. Then came sea life, dinosaurs, birds, mammals, and finally, a, few mil- a million years ago, man. Now in 1988, there's me, the pinnacle of creation. <laughs> and Hobbes just looks at him and rolls his eyes and says, oh, sheesh. You know, like, how many of us have that sort of view, though? We think the world revolves around us, and we think that everything happens so that we could find happiness, and we could find fulfillment, and we can be who... Um, you know, the center of our own little universe. But God's call in our life reminds us that we are not the pinnacle of creation, right? All of human history did not culminate in, in me or you. It culminates in Jesus Christ and what He can do in and through our lives. And so, so we need to remind ourselves that we are part of a larger story, that God is calling us to be a blessing to others through what He has given us. We don't have to have a lot to be a blessing, Even the widow who offered her two little coins gave more than all the others that day, Jesus said, because she gave out of what she gave all that she had. In 1 Peter 4, uh, verses 10 11, it says that each of us should give, should use whatever gift we've received to serve others as faithful stewards of God's grace in its various forms. We're called to, to give, return what God has given us to others so that they can be built up, so that they could be blessed, so that they could be encouraged. Ephesians 4 says that, that as we use those gifts, as we use our spiritual gifts and talents and abilities that God has given us, it's, it's so that others can be built up, so that the entire church can become the fullness of Christ that He has called us to be. And the scary thing is if you think about what the inverse of that is. If we don't bless others with our gifts, if we don't give back and bless others, and if we don't have the understanding that we're blessed in order to be a blessing, then we're really stunting other people's spiritual growth and the opportunity that they have to grow in Christ. See, God has given us each gift so that we can share it with others and build others up, but if we're not doing that, we're depriving others of that opportunity. And so we're blessed not just for our own sake, but we're blessed to be a blessing. And finally, we're called, the third thing is that we're called to obedience. We need to respond to the call. I mentioned earlier that God is the, the, the main character of this passage and that Abraham was, was simply a bystander. But he did have one responsibility. He responded. In verse 4 it says that he went and he did according to the word of the Lord. God promised to do all of those great things and it's in and through him that it's all possible. But yet Abram needed to respond. And that's exactly what he did. And God is calling each one of us to respond as well. James chapter 2 talked all about how faith without deeds is dead. For faith is not shown through our actions, then it's not really faith to begin with. Think of birthday presents, right? How many of us actually earn anything on a birthday, right? Congratulations, you're a year older, right? There's, no, there's, no, there's nothing there that you have earned, yet we often receive gifts. But what good is a gift if it just stays in the wrapping? What good is a gift if it just stays in the box? There's no value to it until you take it, you receive it for yourself. In the same way, we may know God's promises as it's made known in Scripture. And we may know all about the Lord through that. But if we don't receive it for ourselves, if we don't act on it, if we don't respond to it, then it doesn't really mean much in our own lives. Can you really say that you trust something if you're not willing to follow through on it? Can you really say you, you, you have faith in something if you're not willing to follow that faith? 
I share all these things with you about Abram and, and how we can learn about our own calling. Um, but but the, the great thing about the Bible, the great thing about, about stories like this, whether it's Abram or David or any of the prophets or the disciples, even Paul himself, the point of studying their lives and studying the events is not so that we can emulate them. We can learn from them. But the point is not for us to be Abram. And we don't have to be Abram because Jesus has already been the perfect Abram for us. You see, these stories of, of Abram and his faithfulness, they point us to the person who was faithful for us. They point us to the person who was perfectly obedient for us. And that is Jesus Christ. All nations will be blessed through you, God tells Abraham. And it's through Jesus that that, fulfillment all, that, that promise is ultimately fulfilled. Jesus left behind the comfort of glory, comfort and glory of heaven to become like us. Jesus left behind those things just as Abram was called to leave behind his family and his land. Jesus exchanged our sin for his righteousness. We were, he was blessed so that we could be blessed in return. 2 Corinthians 5.21 says, God made him who had no sin to be sin for us so that we might become the righteousness of God. He lived the life that we couldn't live. He died the death that we deserved. And He is blessing us with grace that we couldn't earn for ourselves. And just as Abram was called to be obedient in response to God's promises, we see it's Jesus who was perfectly obedient to, his, to the Father throughout His entire life. Matthew 5.17 says, Do not think that I have come to abolish the law or prophets. I have not come to abolish them, but to fulfill them. In Philippians 2.8, speaking of Jesus, he was found in appearance as a man. He humbled himself by becoming obedient to death, even death on a cross. See, we can learn from Abraham's life. We can learn lessons about what it means to be faithful to God's calling. But we ultimately are pointed to the one who is faithful for us, and that's Jesus Christ. So the, what we need to learn is, is that, that we are free to live out the calling that God has placed on our life because there is the one who has already done it for us. Does that make sense? Jesus has already been perfectly obedient so that even though we fall short, even though we make mistakes and we're not going to live out that calling perfectly, we can receive His grace. And that frees us to live it out the best we can without fear of, of falling short. Does that make sense? And so as we study Abram's life together, we can see that ultimately it's pointing to Jesus and what He has done for us. Let's pray. Father, thank You that, that You call each one of us Lord, not necessarily to pack up our belongings and leave, but you do call us, Lord, to follow you with all of our heart, soul, mind, and strength, to love our neighbor and to love you with everything we have. And so I pray that you would help us, each, each one of us, to live that calling out in our own lives. And, and Lord, I pray that you would uh, remind us and help us to, to put trust in the one who was perfectly obedient to the call, your son, Jesus Christ. It's in his name we pray. Amen. Let's stand and in closing sing just uh, verses 1 and 4 of hymn number 350, Tis So Sweet to Trust in Jesus.
Just a reminder that we have the special congregational meeting immediately following the service. Um, after the benediction, we'll have about a two-minute break or so if anybody needs to leave for any reason. But if you're a member here, I encourage you to just remain in your seat and we'll get started in just a few moments. May the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ be with you all. Amen.